Okay, pleased to be joined here by Joshua Bell, covers the NHL draft and prospects for the hockey writers as well as FC Hockey. Howdy, Josh. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, you come highly recommended. I had uh, Mark Scheich on the <laughs> pod yesterday, and he said you were the go-to guy for the, uh, the 2020 NHL entry draft. <laughs> That's good to hear. That's uh, some high praise from Mark. I appreciate that. Uh, so with that being said, what is your main focus? Is it on uh, pre-draft prospects or is it on prospects that have already been drafted? Uh, throughout the year, it was kind of on both. Um, I had a weekly prospect report where half of it was NHL affiliated and half of it was draft. So I'm pretty familiar with both. Um, right now with the draft coming up, it's it's all draft focused though. Right. And certainly with, uh, with the idea being, we're going to be drafting maybe in the next month here. Are you emotionally and mentally prepared for that to take place? Um, the, the thought of it getting moved up was definitely stressful. Um, we have been uh, gearing up all of our content on both sites, but um, I, I think I'm looking pretty good. I'm ready for it. Right on. I'm uh, emotionally quite prepared for it to take place. I think any content right now would be a pleasant add to my life. Watching the UFC this past weekend, it was amazing to have live <laughs> sports back in my life. So uh, if the NHL threw on a draft, I'd be, uh, I'd be ready for it. But uh, part of getting myself mentally prepared is, is having folks like you who are you know, have boned up on, on all the players that we need to know about. So do you think it's valuable for you to be following prospects at all different levels to kind of gauge, you know, the, the various different levels and, and progress and follow these players all the way through to the NHL? Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely important to kind of watch prospects at every level, um, seeing how they translate from draft year into the next year, that development. Also, if they're going into a new league, how that might impact their play from year before. So uh, I, I try to keep track. This has been my first year kind of diving all into prospects with my content and my focus. So that's definitely been something I, I'm watching and going to keep track of moving forward. Interesting. So what is the biggest lesson that you've learned since you got started? Um, one thing I've noticed is that everyone's going to have an opinion and it's usually going to be different. <laughs> um, there's so many different ways to look at prospects and everyone kind of sees different things. They even watch different games. So they pick up on different things and that kind of creates a different picture. Uh, I don't think there's anybody out there that can watch every single game. So you always just get a snippet of a, a prospect and that could form a very different opinion than somebody else. So um, I think just kind of managing the different opinions and being aware of everyone else's and open to them. Cause I think a lot of this is all about perspective, right? So I think that's a, a big lesson I've learned. And, but how do you avoid groupthink with that in mind? It's uh, it's definitely tough, um, especially coming in to, to doing this. I was always looking at different rankings and reading people's opinions. And when I first started, I was kind of still doing that. And then as the year went on, I was like, well, I'm seeing a lot of people say this, but I don't really agree. And so especially in my, my final draft rankings, which, which haven't come out yet, they'll probably drop next month. Uh, I'm kind of I'm not looking at anybody else's rankings. I'm making them my own. I'm not even looking at my previous rankings. So uh, it's definitely hard because it's, it's out there everywhere. 
but uh, just trying to stay as focused on my own content and my own thoughts as I can. I made my bones in the fantasy hockey world and I still release my own fantasy rankings every year. And mm-hmm. uh, like I've noticed that I basically have to not read anyone's stuff relating to fantasy hockey over the summer as I'm piecing those rankings together or else I just become infected with other people's ideas rather than having my own original thoughts so yeah Yeah. like you said you have to you have to avoid but at the same time you want to hear what other people are saying because you're not going to have the full picture and there's there's so many lessons that other people have out there so I don't know finding a way to blend the two is it's such a delicate balance and maybe the biggest learning factor for anyone who's putting together lists and that sort of thing is figuring out what the correct recipe and balance is. Yeah, for sure. And at the same time, there are guys that do focus on different regions of prospects and getting their input can actually be helpful sometimes if you're not hundred percent certain about an aspect of a player's game, or you just want a second look, they uh, it can actually be helpful in that way. So who is your go-to for somewhere like the KHL? The KHL, there's a few guys, I think. Um, Dylan Griffin, he's been uh, been watching the MHL, which is definitely an undervalued league, I think. Uh, but he's been putting out some great content about the KHL, and, or sorry, the uh, MHL. And uh, so I've sent him a few messages in the past. And then yeah. check for uh, Russian prospects. <laughs> that, that account has always been helpful. Right. Yeah. Didn't Dylan just release like a top 30 for the MHL for like the draft analyst or something like that? Um, I don't think that was Dylan, but I did see that the draft analyst launched that too, which I did take a look at. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I I guess a couple of resources out there that I'm going to have to be tracking down now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. I had uh, that, I had a post not so long ago. It was 50 Twitter accounts to follow for draft enthusiasts so that one was helpful to keep everybody in one place oh yeah just just give me another wormhole to fall down thanks josh (laughs) anytime uh what do you think is the biggest hole that remains in your scouting game that for whatever reason you haven't addressed like i I don't want to throw procrastination on you but like it's a huge element of who i am and so I know I've got these holes that I continue to leave unaddressed that kind of nag at me. So I'm wondering if you have something similar. Um, like I said, this is my first year kind of diving all in. So I'm, I'm always looking to improve. I think I can kind of get better at finding certain things in players' games, analyzing their game. Um, just overall, I can improve in that. And finding time. I think that's a big one. Um, I'm in school right now working. And so finding the time to watch prospects is always a challenge. I think I did pretty well this year, but it's definitely something I'm I'm looking to improve moving forward. So it sounds like you need some Tim Ferriss, seven habits of highly successful individuals or something like that in your life. That uh, I I mentioned procrastination. That book is sitting on my shelf completely (laughs) unopened. Yeah, I think I have that too, actually, somewhere. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Um, (laughs) What do you think uh, has, so far has been your biggest success where you kind of went out on a limb or against the grain? That one's tough for me, um, just kind of being fairly new to the game. Um, there, one thing I thought of here is uh, Matt Boldy. 
So he was drafted last year, made the jump to the NCAA, and he did not look very good production-wise for the first half of the year. And so a lot of people are thinking, oh, is this guy a bust? And I had an article or two come out where I'm saying, whoa, whoa, whoa just wait. It's going to happen. He was shooting something like 5% when he's always been a lot higher than that. So I said, just wait. And then the second half, he was our, one of the best freshmen in NCAA. So I think the success stories might uh, start to come. But for now, the, that's, that's one that stands out. Ray, who knew that uh, PDO also affected prospects? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're like we're gonna draft in a month, and there's not gonna be an NHL combine. Do you think this is really gonna matter? Like, obviously, the medical is a huge deal for the teams, but do you think we're gaining much from the NHL combine otherwise? I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. I think it's it's kind of a great almost like a media day right where you get to interview all the prospects and kind of put them through these tests but I don't think it it really matters much you see these guys not being able to do a pull-up that I don't put much weight into that so um, it's it's great to hear the uh, some quotes from them and the interesting questions that always come up but other than that I don't think it's uh, it's a huge event in prospect analysis yeah like I think about how some guys can they end up tanking their interview like Matt Barzell infamously came off as way too cocky in his interview and as it turns out like maybe that was uh that was a good thing yeah yeah <laughs> it's always interesting in that same vein uh Jim Benning was recently uh, quoted as saying that um that they're missing out on seeing prospects playing in the playoffs so they can't find out which players are are winners and to me, that's just ridiculous. Uh, where yeah. do you stand on that? I think if they don't know which players are winners by now, they probably haven't been doing a good job scouting. Um, it takes, I think it takes more than a single playoff. You got to look at the whole season. Um, this, this season as a whole, without the playoffs, without the U18s, I think it's really going to show some, some true colors of scouting teams in the NHL. Um, guys that might might should go high guys that shouldn't go too high that might kind of flip this year without having those those playoffs and tournaments that some people put a lot of stock into so it's going to really test how much scouts looked at players throughout the regular season yeah you don't want to turn down any additional information but certainly it's only one data point and i think that uh too much stock it sounds like too much stock is being put into that but then again the Canucks have drafted really well in recent in recent years so that's true yeah so it's it's uh give and take right uh is there one skill or trait in uh prospects or players that you think is sticky like it's gonna carry over really well from the amateur to the pro level uh one thing that always stands out to me is compete and kind of you hear it so many different ways to compete their motor their drive um, but the, the guys that just never give up and I think that's something that uh, that work ethic kind of sticks with them at any level the always searching for the puck um, I put a lot of stock into that one and um, yeah I think that one kind of stays with them throughout their development and into the pros yeah how the fuck do you measure that though it's hard it's, <laughs> it's uh 
that's all I test kind of like you watch the guy the guys who are always back checking hard or always fighting in the corners you don't want to see the guy that's gliding back or kind of watching the play happen he's the one that's making the play happen right like I certainly think that compete or you know semantics whatever whatever label you want to throw on it the person who's always <laughs> giving a hundred percent that is that's not necessarily something that you can teach. I, I coach high school basketball and certainly like it's, it's palpable. You can see the players that do it and it's, it's almost something that cannot be coached. So yeah. the, the players that have it, that's kind of, that, that is who they are. Like it's, it's kind of already ingrained in them, whether that happened at a young age or if it was always in there at birth, like they were going to be that way, no matter what they stumbled into. If they were going to be an artist, they were going to be vigorously uh, brushing strokes over the canvas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're always trying to get better. Right. But um, I feel like there's certain players where that shines through better in just their willingness to put in the work. Like they may not look as much like on the playing field, like they're the dogged constantly determined to, to get that ball or puck or whatever the sport may be, but they're willing to put that work in, in training and in practice yeah. and all that stuff, just like the sheer amount of hours it takes to become a professional. And like, how do you, how do you figure out which players have that? Yeah, it, it's definitely tough. And it, I think it just comes from watching them play. Um, for the for training, I think you maybe have to talk to the coaches a little bit more, um, people around them. But yeah, just being able to watch them and see seeing them never give up on the ice or on the field, anything it may be. Conversely, what skill or trait do you think really doesn't have any meaning whatsoever with regard to pro potential? That one's tough. I don't know if there's anything that doesn't have any meaning. Um, but I think there's a lot of things where it'll, it's just going to continue to get better. So there's, there's always, uh, those guys who get drafted in the first round who everyone says, Oh, they can't play defense. You can kind of teach that. Um, as long as they have the other traits, something like defense, you can mold, you can teach. So anything that's a little bit more, um, learned, I think can be developed. You, it's, it's hard to hard to put as much into that maybe sometimes but uh, they obviously still matter I think it all kind of pieces together to create the full prospect but there, there's definitely some things another one maybe face-offs like that's that's another thing that can be kind of taught as you're coming up so it, it's I think that might be a, a different answer for everyone he has though for sure interesting that uh, that reminds me of when Marion Hosa was drafted by the Ottawa Senators he was labeled as being all offense, no defense at the time. And Jacques Martin was like, great. We don't care. We would rather him have all that skill and have to teach him how to play defense because yeah. you can do that, but you can't teach the skill. And yeah. turns out he was right. And yeah. Osa was an amazing defensive player by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. It's all about how you develop the prospect after too. It's not all about what they have going in. Uh, how much are you using data and analytics in your scouting? Because me sitting at home, like I'm scrolling through numbers for most everything that I'm doing w with regard to looking at prospects. 
Yeah, at the most of the year, this wasn't something I really looked at. But as it's gone on, uh, I've definitely been looking at it more. Like I, I always looked at kind of the basic stats for them. Um, but as it, I kind of work on my final rankings, as I kind of analyze a little bit more, I'm more and more trying to find out, okay, these players I have pretty close. What, what puts one of them over the edge? Um, so I've been looking a lot at possession lately. So, so controlled zone entries, controlled zone exits, things like that. Um, I'm definitely trying to get more familiar, familiar with this. I think that's uh, something I can really grow in. Um, but yeah, if you, uh, if you ask me this a year from now, it might be very different as I kind of get a grasp on this. Right. And there's, there are stats on zone entries and zone exits and and possession for most of the amateur leagues so how do you go about figuring out how much to weigh that stuff when for like half the prospects you're not even going to have anything on that yeah it's tough i uh, i try not to put too much into it right now again that might change in about a year but i i use it when i've got two or three players kind of close and I'm looking for one to give an edge to, but um, it, it's definitely something I need to improve on, I think, and get a little bit more knowledge in. I've been reading whatever I can on analytics and scouting and things like that. So it's, uh, it's something I'm looking to improve on. Uh, really a great story uh, about prospect development that, uh, that I always, uh, I want to learn more about. Uh, Joel Embiid famously, he had to learn how to fall when he got into the NBA, are there, have you heard any similar stories about prospects or like any, any prospects who might have learned something like that when they get to the NHL? I haven't yet. No, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to a story like that though. I think the biggest things I've been talking to a lot of prospects lately and um, a lot of them have either gone over to Europe or come to North America. And I always ask them, is it, is it difficult to adjust? And, a lot of them have surprisingly said it wasn't too bad. The style of play isn't too different. Um, this kind of evolved over the years, I guess. And the size of the rink, they haven't had too, too much an issue with. I think um, teams, teammates and coaches are, are maybe doing a better job at that adjustment period. But uh, yeah, looking forward to a prospect telling me that they learned how to fall. <laughs> um, what is the most unique or special skill you've seen from a prospect? That's a tough one. The, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, Antonio Strange's skating, that 10 and two style. It's, it's crazy to watch because you never see players use it as much as he does. Um, he's got some things to work on otherwise, but that the skating is just crazy. And do you think that uh, that strange skating, I think we've all seen at least clips of it uh, yeah. floating around on the internet. Does that give him some inherent advantage in the game or is it just some unique quirk that uh, should he make it is going to entertain us for years to come? Um, I think it might just be a unique trait and I don't know how much, how much we'd be able to see it at the next level. I don't know if that's something that'll transfer. I think somebody will see him doing that and, lay them out pretty quick. <laughs> Fair enough. I've been really intrigued by some of the numbers that the USHL guys like Sam Colangelo and Brendan Brisson have put up uh, in that league. It, it puts them in range of some players who turned into major success stories having scored at a similar level in that league. And it looks like they're climbing up draft boards What's going on there? Have you scouted them much? 
Yeah, um, that Chicago Steel team was great this year. Even Sean Farrell, Luke Reed, there's a couple other guys in there. Uh, Gunnar Wolf Fontaine, I've watched uh, them a few times. Um, it's hard. I think they're all going to be good players, but I think you also have to take into consideration the context. That was a very, very good team. They were dominant, and they were all good all together. So I think they kind of boosted each other up a little bit, maybe inflated those stats a little bit. Um, but then if you look at them, like uh, Brisson, Farrell, and the uh, World Junior A Challenge, they were, they were great there too, um, as were Colangelo and Fontaine. So it, it's hard because in one side you think, okay, well, the team was really good, so how good are they actually? But if you just look at them one at a time, they're, 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 they have skills that can really, really – um, kind of transfer. Uh, Brisson, he maybe even Farrell have potential to go in the low first round, I think. Yeah, you're not the first person to reference Brisson as a potential first rounder to me. So I, I, it sounds like there's there's quite a bit of momentum being gained there. And it's certainly interesting. I've been doing a whole bunch of podcasts redrafting old NHL yeah. drafts. And guys like this wouldn't get drafted at all. Teams wouldn't even draft you coming out of the USHL. They waited until you had at least a year of college. So all those guys like Kessler, Bacchus, Pavelski, all of them, they didn't get drafted until 19. And yet they were scoring at a level that Colangelo and Brisson did as 17, 18 year olds in the USHL. So it's interesting to see that teams have, have, really figured out that that is a strong source of NHL products. Yeah, for sure. There's quite a few guys in uh, USHL this year too. Daniel Gustin and Ryder Rolston. There's a few guys that could hear their name called in the first three, four rounds. Do you have any uh, reservations about Jack Quinn's age 17 production in the OHL last season being pretty poor below a half point per game? Um, so I'm all for guys taking that big jump in a year, but Quinn and the 67s are a, a similar story to Chicago Steel, right? They're, there's The team is just dominant. They're so good. So I think you have to kind of weigh in the fact that Quinn was maybe a little bit boosted by being on that strong 67s team. Um, I, I have reservations about him overall. I still think he's a first rounder, but probably he's in my back half, I think, um, maybe top 20 just because he's got that great shot but I don't know if he'll be able to drive a line himself um, some people think differently on him but from what I've seen I it, it's hard for me to imagine him as driving the offense on a line well I mean he's a big time shooter right so yeah much like every other shooter he needs a guy who's going to set him up right like even Stamkos and Ovechkin have needed guys like St. Louis and and Kucherov and Nicholas Backstrom so uh, maybe it's just a case of you got to find the puzzle pieces that fit together and you're going to have a lot of success with it yeah for sure so with that uh, that type of idea in mind where do you land on Tim Stutzla? I think that he, I know, I pretty much know what he's going to be as an NHLer. Now, whether that turns into being like a third liner or a first liner, he's clearly going to be a guy who can transition the puck from one end of the ice to the other. So like, to me, it's almost like he's a slam dunk because you know 
he's going to have a role that at least in some sense is going to drive offense for you. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, he's a guy I could, I could almost see stepping into the league next year. I don't think he will. I think he'll take another year, but yeah, he's just dominant. He can kind of do it all. Um, he's in my top four for sure. Uh, where in there, I, I haven't quite pegged Danny down yet. I think I know, but um, yeah, he's, he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, and it's it's almost like how would you compare him up against, say, a Jack Hughes? Because in a lot of ways, it's the similar type of role. This guy is going to be your transition hub. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a pretty good comparison. Um, he might be a, a step below where Hughes was last year, um, but it maybe not far off. Um, yeah, I think that's a great comparison. Following this analogy along further, like you said, Stutzla could maybe make the leap into the NHL, but if he did and he's not quite as far along as Hughes was, Hughes struggled as a rookie this year. So would you expect similar type of struggles if he did make that leap? I think so. I, th I think he could benefit from another year. I think there's a couple guys at the top of this draft who maybe could step into the NHL, but it's, I don't think it's the best idea. Well, who else do you have stepping in? I, I could see Byfield as a guy who probably could step in, but again, I don't think it would be a good idea. Uh, Rossi's another guy. Another year of development would be helpful, but these are all players that uh, have been said might be ready sooner rather than later. And Rossi, he's another one of those guys with those uh, with one of those uh, late birthdays where had he been uh, a little bit uh, older, he would have been in last year's draft. Yeah. Um, yeah. For him though, he's, he's just so good and he's so good to watch. It's uh, I, the birthday thing, I kind of put some weight into a little bit mainly when comparing the, the older guys, to the younger guys. Um, but for him, he's, he's just so good. He's patient. He's elite. He drives the play. He finds the dangerous passes and makes them work. It's just, it's so fun to watch. Who is your favorite prospect in this draft class? Uh, one guy I, I always think of when I'm asked this is uh, Yan Misak. Um, he started in Czech and was kind of underrated. He's been in my first round. I think he's been in my top 15 since the preseason. Um, he's just he's so offensive from shooting and from being a playmaker. He can kind of do it all. Has great vision. Um, he can open up the offensive zone for his line mates off the rush. Um, he's a great skater. He can kind of get a little bit better there, but he's good. Uh, I think people forget or maybe don't even realize that half the season he spent in the Czech league and he, for his age group, he led the league the whole season in points, but he was only there for half the year. It was just nine points, but still for him to lead with half the season is impressive. Well, and anyone who's, playing in a pro league against men at that age is it, it's it's an impressive feat right for sure interesting that you pegged him as your favorite prospect because like I said I had uh, Mark Shag on the pod and he <laughs> has him labeled as both on his do not draft list but also on his must-haves list and it was interesting to yeah. see him uh, explain how he was how he was kind of <laughs> talking out of both sides of his mouth uh, yeah. so are, would you agree with his assessment that this is kind of a guy with one of the wider range of potential draft outcomes? Yeah, for outcomes, for sure. Like I said, I think I have him at, at 12. 
Um, but I, I can see him going early 20s too. Um, I, uh, I had a tweet earlier today asking people for bold takes, and some people think he might even go in the second round. But I think he'll be a first rounder, but where he might be up in the air a little bit. Uh, so conversely, who is your least favorite prospect? If you have one, like maybe these are all your, all your babies. <laughs> uh, there's a couple guys that I'm a little bit lower on, especially as the season went on. Um, one of them is Jeremy Poirier, uh, the defender out of the QMJHL. He uh, just has some issues defending. And I know earlier I said that's something you can teach, but it, it's also in the compete level. I, there's been a few clips a few times that I've seen him where he kind of gives up when he's defending, rushing back, and it gives up a good chance. It gives up a goal. And especially when you're the last defender and you stop moving your feet on the rush, it, it's not a good look. So he's one that I've kind of been a little bit lower on. It seems to me like he's the prospect who's bringing the highest entertainment value for fans, whether it's goals for or goals against. It's, it's, there's goals happening. Yeah, for sure. His, his offense is there. He's, he's got some talent some, like, sometimes. I think he needs to improve overall, but the, the defensive and the compete level are, are not there, in my opinion. Yeah, he's the Doug Waite Islanders of NHL draft prospects. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm an Oilers fan. I make no bones about that. And <laughs> if this draft takes place in the next month or so, they'll probably be picking around number 20. So what prospect should I be stoked about if they, if they fall to them? I, are you going to say Meshach? Um, I thought about saying him, but I'll say somebody else. He's, he's one to keep an eye on, though. But um, Maverick Bork is a guy who, who could maybe be there. I, I have him in my top 20. Some people have him early 20s. So he's, he's right around that range. Uh, but he's a guy, he's a little bit raw in certain aspects of his game. But he could be a dominant player if he, he reaches the ceiling. Um, he's another guy that really, really drives the offense and just sees the ice so well. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's one that I would keep an eye on. I think you guys have taken – uh, defenders the last couple of years in the first round. So I think a forward is on the horizon for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm still uh, a little bit frustrated about the whole uh, Philip Broberg <laughs> when Trevor Zegras is still on the board <laughs> situation. But, you know, they, they took Kyler Yamamoto and, and he's panned out. So I'm, uh, I'm yeah. excited uh, with, with kind of the balance there. The guy that I'm, I'm really hoping can, can slide to them is, uh, is Seth Jarvis. I love the scoring totals he threw up in what was kind of a lower scoring WHL as far as uh, CHL leagues go. Yeah, he's actually a guy that I had at 20 in my February rankings. He'll be a little higher now, but um, you never know. He, he kind of could be in that 10 to 20 range right now. I think uh, there's some mixed takes on him as well, just as he came on really strong in the second half of the season. Interesting. Uh, do you have a favorite team or did you kind of abandon that after entering the public realm? I, in the public realm, I've kind of abandoned that a little bit. Uh, hey, uh, I try not to show too much favoritism. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, I think that's, <laughs> that's probably the smart way to go. And certainly if you're going the prospect route, you're not going to be 
it'll be too hard because like I said, these guys are all going to become your babies and you're going to be wanting to root for all of them. And then eventually your NHL uh, allegiances are going to get all bunged up. So you're, you're the rational one here. (laughs) I try to be for now. We'll see how long it lasts. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) If, if, If the NHL comes back, it might start bleeding through. Uh, we'll see (laughs) okay fair enough uh josh this was uh this was a lot of fun uh thanks for coming on the pod Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug i'm still uh, still driving the content for both the hockey writer and uh hockey writers and fc hockey there's there's lots more on the way um we've been pumping out content on both so you can expect more of that on both Oh, right on. So we'll be on the lookout for content coming from you. We'll make sure we give you a follow on Twitter uh, so that we get all your updates. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks a lot for having me on. All right, everyone. Thanks again for tuning into the pod. Please like, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps out the show. Stick tap to Josh Bell for coming on the pod and sharing with us some of his thoughts on prospects for this upcoming draft class, as well as just some thoughts into how he's learning and, and his process with regard to prospects. That was, a, that was a great interview. Make sure you look out for his work on the Hockey Raiders as well as FC Hockey and look at the show notes for where you can follow him on Twitter. It remains to be seen whether we're going to have an NHL draft in the next month or not, but I'm going to keep doing these interviews as though we are. And even if we find out that we aren't, it'll still be valuable information for when that draft eventually does happen. It's coming down the pipe one way or another. Uh, Stay safe out there, folks, and we'll check with you next time.